The Metal Mentality Podcast is brought to you in partnership with AM300 and the Phoenix Project. For more information on both, check out am300.com slash metal. I felt alone. Like I was trapped in a cold, dark room. I will be the last to fall. It seemed as if I felt a ray of light. In a world overwhelmed by darkness, how does one move into the light? And it gave me the strength to break free. Hell has lost its power. Be metal and stay metal with consistency. Continually choosing to make choices for a better future. Fortitude. Having courage while overcoming obstacles. Grit. Perseverance of effort combined with passion while working towards being better today than you were yesterday. Once I broke free, I never intended on going back. But I had made a promise that if I ever found my way out, I would return and fight to liberate those still trapped inside. Rest assured, I will be the last to give up. These are metal-minded individuals, and these are their stories. You're listening to the Metal Mentality Podcast. Now, here's your host, Preston Ewell. All right, welcome to Metal Mentality. We are back today with Leo Oshesky. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So we, we this is the second episode that we did. We we ended the other one because there's a lot more stuff we wanted to get to, and I didn't want to do a super long episode. Uh, I wanted to keep your guys' attention. So let's just jump right back into it, right where we were. We we talked about your your domestic abuse situation that you were dealing with, all the stuff that you went through, and it kind of set you uh, on a path to do some really something a lot of people have probably seen and they understand they know about uh, once we get talking about this. Um, but um, what's, what happened in, in 2016 that set you on this trajectory that we're headed? Well, I'm, I'm very vaguely talking about. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Well, actually I'll skip back real fast to 2015 when I went to Sears school and uh, my instructor, uh, our team two instructor, we had the best team, um, was like, Leah, you are such a hippie. And I'm, what? But uh, I could see it. So he's very, he's very 18 series like, you know, and here's me. Oh, I'm a, I don't want to hurt an animal. And, um, you know, he would, it was, it was hilarious. Our, um, our, whatchamacallit, like, uh, connection with one another was pretty, pretty fantastic. Anyway, so he's the one, I think that at one point was like, hey, you should try to go on this show, which I didn't even really think about the show. Um, and I adore that guy. I totally adore that guy. But uh, so I actually thought about it and I tried to find out how do I get onto this show and what show is that? That's Naked and Afraid. Um, so I started putting the feelers out, like, how do I get onto this show? And somehow, and I'm trying to remember how it came to me, um, I got connected with the right people. And in 2016, basically, I started doing some interviews with them. Uh, you have to go through an entire long process, which I'm sure some of it they don't want people to know about, but um, part of it is multiple videos, right? And then you have to go out and video film yourself doing survivor-like things, whether it's, um, you know, building traps or setting traps, um, building a fire, you name it, you have to do your own filming and no, you're not 
naked when you're doing this. You have to wear a bikini though. So all these videos I have of me on YouTube, which are only shared with certain people, <laughs> are of me all over. Um, at the time I lived in the Florida Panhandle, which is a great environment for being outside in a bikini anyway. So anyway, I have all these videos. So I did that and I went through the uh, interviews with, they have a survival expert, you know, that'll call you and say, hey, how do you do this? What happens if you're in this situation, you have to pass through that. So 2016, I did that. Um, that is also the time, as I mentioned in my last, uh, you know, call with you um, that I met uh, my ex-boyfriend and on our first date at the beach, I brought up the fact that, hey, I'm trying to get on naked and afraid. It really, it came out then um, because I tend to be not so, I'm not very shy about, you know, a body's a body. It's kind of like starship troopers to a degree and things like that. So I was just like, hey, you know, I'm trying to get on naked and afraid. Um, he didn't really say much about it then. But fast forward now to 2017, we move in together. And so 2016, I didn't get on because um, they already pretty much had gone through the process with a lot of other people, it just takes a while. So 2017 rolls around, they call me and they say, hey, are you still interested? And I said, yeah, I'm totally interested. May of 2017, I've moved in with my ex-boyfriend and they call me to do an interview in LA, which is your final interview and it's an in-person interview. Um, and already for that a month before, like April to May timeframe, he was already like, you just wanna be, you know, naked in front of men and you're this and you're this and all these bad words about women. That started coming out. So I said to him, fine, I'm not gonna go do the show. I'm not gonna go do my interview. Uh, which I believe, yeah, was in May of 2017. And like the next day I was supposed to get on a plane to LA and go for my interview. And I said, I'm not going to go do it. And what happened there, and this is how it ties into the whole abuse thing is he got in my face and said, you're a loser and a quitter. So on one hand, um, you know, you're this and you're this and you're this because you want to go do the show. And then if you don't go because you want to, whatever, you're a loser and a quitter. So it's very much that mental game and you can never please. Um, at that point, right, don't call me a loser and a quitter. I get on the plane and I go to LA. And I mean, I knew I was going to do well. I just knew it. And that's how it went. It was like, the final interview went great and they said hey yeah let's let's roll with you we're ready to go um they found me a slot it was actually supposed to be in nicaragua in september beginning of september 2017 but once again after spending three months with him my ex-boyfriend and all the negative and all the really bad stuff coming out i called the producer and said hey i'm just not gonna I'm not going to go forward with this. It was like four days before I was supposed to leave. I'm just not going to go forward with this. I'm going to marry this guy and all this stuff. And I'm just not going to do it. Uh, and they said, are you sure we can't talk you out of it? Da, da, da. And I said, nope, that's, I'm just not going to do it. So I actually canceled. Um, and I knew they'd find somebody else, right? They have people lined up probably. But um, after the final assault in October, 2017, um, my, my mental state was really, you know, just not, is not there at all. And I felt like at that time I could do patch my problems with a Band-Aid like I did for my ex-fiance in 2015 when I went to Sears school. But it's a completely different situation, completely different. So I was like, oh, I'm going to throw a Band-Aid on this and I'm going to call the show back and I'm going to see if I can go and I'm going to make it like Sears school was to me and I'm going to make it through and I'm going to love it and I'm going to, all these things. Um, so I think it was probably October, November, 2017, probably in November. And they said, are you sure? Is this what you want to do? And they had known about some of the abuse. Um, they did because they were like, why is she calling us to cancel this after all of this? And I had to tell them some things. Um, but they said, heck yeah, let's, let's try it again. Are you sure you want to do this? Yes, I do. So they offered me a shot and I went to, uh, I was supposed to go to Columbia, which is great. Cause I'm like, great. I've always wanted to go to Columbia. This will be awesome. Um, and in, uh, beginning of February, 2018, I left, I went to film in Columbia. Do you want me to tell you the rest? Like, well, first of all, typical abuse when, when you're talking about the, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're a quitter because you won't do it now. Yeah. Uh, just totally setting you up for failure, putting you in a situation where it's like, no matter what you choose, you're wrong. Yes. Right. Yes. That, 
that just makes me sick to my stomach. And I don't know if you saw my face when you said that. I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm not a violent person, but some people just need a good high five to the face. <laughs> yes, <Right? laughs> totally true. Totally true. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's a hard place, you know, that for people to be. And you know what's so crazy is after I called the the show, the producer, in the end of August 2017, and I told my boyfriend, right, where we had lived together since April, I said, hey, I just called the show, not doing it. I kid you not, days later, he's like, he saw me with my machete, right, because you can bring some tools, and then they pick ones that you can use and things, and I had all these cool tools and stuff. And he was like, yeah, you should have gone to do the show. You, have, you should have done the show. I'm like, oh, pull hair out, right? It is, um, and I've talked to other, obviously other DV survivors and the physical is extremely horrifying, but the mental torture is out of this world and you can never outdo those people. Like you just can't, there's just no way. Um, they don't even think like we do. So yeah, there was no way for me to compete with that. And yeah, that was it. So I thought, hey, I'm gonna patch this hole in my life with calling the show up again and I'm I'm gonna do it. And I really even wasn't like, I'm gonna show him, I'm gonna do the show and I'm gonna do great. It was not even about him. I just felt like for me, I could do a repeat of 2015 with Sears School, um, which like I told you was magnificent for my brain chemistry and getting me back to a really great place. I don't know why, but it just worked. So I thought I could do the same thing. And um, yeah, that's, those are the kind of people that, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's horrible life. It's a horrible life living like that because you're just hopping around constantly. You don't know when or what or none of that stuff. Um, and that's why like to, the, to this day, I'm still afraid, right? Because he continues to harass me, but his element, his, he loves surprise. He loves, you know, that's just part of what they do. So you can never, ever, ever plan or really protect yourself because it's just, it's all over the place. Yeah. Everything's unexpected. Unexpected on their timeline, the way they want. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yep. Terrible human being. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bad. Onto the show, right? What happens then? Yeah. So I, I get there and I, I felt pretty good and, um, you know, they don't show you who your partner is going to be straight away, but, uh, this guy, this guy, and I'll, I love Tommy to death. Um, he was in the army, um, and he was a firefighter in Tuscaloosa where I went to school, right. In Alabama at the university of Alabama. So I thought, Oh my gosh, I think, you know, sometimes they try to pair you with people where you either have like a lot in common or you know you could be really close with them or they try to pair you with people that you're just going to like battle it out with um but anyway so i got connected with this guy and i get there and we start off pretty good honestly like we were smoking it and and i think so talking about about jesse he uh bless his heart he uh told me he saw the show and he remembered seeing what happened there and he said he felt really bad for me and i was like yeah man i felt really bad for myself um so tommy and i were doing great made it through the uh yeah the first like 24 hours build up our shelter that dude can sleep anywhere and me i'm just like wide awake (laughs) freezing to death but um in the jungle and stuff but uh yeah, the I think it was the second or third day, and um, and I I just walked up to the producer that was there, and I said, I'm just done with this, or I'm you know I'm t- I'm tired of suffering. I think that's what I said. I'm tired of suffering, and um, because you know, like when you're healthy, like you can handle a lot, but when you're not healthy. Uh, especially when you just try to like jam those emotions down and you fill it with something else that ignore, it just wasn't going to work for me. Um, so I started pretty much like crying right away. And I know you can see that on the show. And then what happened is they had some of that background from the year prior, but they started asking me questions. What happened to you? 
tell me about the domestic violence, you know, and all these things like that. And I just like, I just broke down. It was, it was bad. Um, Oh, hold on. Stop right there. Yeah. You say that it was bad. Mm -hmm. And I want to correct that because it wasn't bad. What it was, was human. And if we say that it's bad, then, then we're depriving you of your right to experience life as a human being. So let's, let's, I just want to clarify that you did not do bad. You were not bad in that moment. You were human. And anybody who wants to look at that and say, Oh, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they're putting a label on you that is not fair. And they're preventing you from experiencing the human condition. Cause there's one thing that we all experience and it's pain. We will all experience pain. Everyone's life is going to be different. Everyone's story, everyone's situation is going to be different. But pain is the one thing that we all experience, that and death, right? That's the only two things we have that are consistent. And so to say that like you were experiencing pain and suffering and it was bad, or define that as bad, is, is, is not a fair assessment of, of your life and your situation. So I just want to clarify that, that you're just experiencing the, the human condition. Yes, extremely human. Thank you. That's, that's really awesome that you would say that. And um, yeah, I had, I had a ton riding on that show to, um, you know, um, so some people who had done the show previously, uh, very popular, well-known, still in that realm, called me up beforehand and said, hey, we're sisters and brothers now. This is going to go great. Just start preparing for all the, you know, press and media that'll come from it and all these other opportunities. Um, that was one thing I had riding on it. I had somebody, I won't say who or where, but somebody higher in my chain of command that said, hey, you don't make it through the show, don't come back to the unit. <laughs> um, which, you know, just to say that, yeah, I had a lot riding on that. And then um, clearly I knew when I left, I was like, oh, this is because the ex-boyfriend loves to use, right? My pains and all that stuff against. So he's going to be happy from this. I really wasn't even thinking too much about this, but I had, and then the seer instructor even, oh my gosh, he and I actually talked to each other right before the show. And I was like, Hey, I'm about to go and head out and stuff. And then I basically stopped communicating with him after, because I thought I let this guy down. Like I let him down big time. He didn't know about everything that had happened the year prior, but I had a lot riding on that show. Um, I felt like I did. And, you know, even today I say that if, if I can be sort of any example or help to anybody and people can learn from what happened there, um, you know, because I can't hide it. It's national TV. It's, it's, it's going to be there forever. People are going to play repeats of it. And I think the show was even called something like, you know, breakdown on a mountainside or something. I don't know, you know, is that'll be there forever. Um, but I just hope that people can understand, like you said, that that's things happen. And sometimes, sometimes when the bad things happen, you can just keep them limited and hide them away a little bit. And then, (laughs) this case i can't um and i've never really talked about that show um in fact i've had people how many people have come to me over the past you know few years um and said hey i saw you on that show i'm like i'd start crying immediately i'm like Shh, please don't tell anybody about it i can't deal with this right now because i have so many other ongoing efforts and you know emotional things to deal with especially with the abuse i still haven't dealt with emotionally with all of that um, and I was just like, please don't talk to me about it. Please don't tell anybody else about it. I don't want anybody to know. Um, and, and it's just something that eventually I knew I would have to, I'd have to face. Um, and not just face because it's on national TV and you could go watch it again and again and again, but face it as in um, just dealing with, yeah, the, uh, my desires to be, do something with that show and, and what have you. Um, and kind of feeling like I let people down and probably feeling yeah. like I let myself down. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Why do you feel like you let people down? Why do you feel like you let yourself down? Um, so I guess it's like what I told you on the last recording we did, right? Is that people, 
kind of had this idea, had this idea of me, like they do of other people, right? People judge all the time, idea of me. And I felt that they, most of their idea of me was accurate. I was pretty tough. I was like, go get them, stick your neck out there, opportunities. You're going to crash sometimes. You're going to gain sometimes. Um, but they, they had this idea that I was um, just a little bit more solid. And, um, and then this, kind of went against that. Uh, yeah, and these are people that I truly valued very close to me in my life. Um, so it wasn't just like Joe Schmo walking down the road. I'm like, I could care less what Joe Schmo says, but it does matter. And I think for most people, like what people close to you say, you do start to realize after the fact though, like who your friends really are, um, who really does love you, who really understands um, pain and suffering and, you know, the year that I had spent prior to with my ex-boyfriend, the year, the year and a half prior to. Um, and then letting myself down. Um, I, I don't, maybe I didn't really let myself down as much. Um, what, what I do regret is, what I do regret is the producer, as I was walking off, because I basically was just walking off away from them on set. Um, they tried to like guilt me into staying. Oh, well, we've had people that got divorces and we're on the show. I'm like, divorce, not that divorce is good, but you know, it's, it's a completely different thing. Um, and I was three months out of having a miscarriage, losing a child that I'll, the only one I would probably ever have. So very heavy stuff going on in my life. Um, but the only thing I'd say I regret probably even to this point is as I was walking off set, the producer stopped me and said, well, we got to get you to say this, Leah. And I, it, I was just like so sick and tired of, of, you know, going back and forth with them that I was just going to say whatever they wanted just to get away from them. And I was just done. So know that those are very scripted shows, right? And not to make an excuse, but just to say that however they present people, it sometimes is just not the case. And there are other, you can Google online about all that, but I regret allowing him to get me to say something that really wasn't accurate. I would have preferred to have said, Hey, I'm dealing with domestic violence. If you are to learn something from me from this whole bit, but it wasn't like that. Right. And so I, I really am upset with myself more or less for walking off and just giving them some little nugget they could use. And, um, and I was just, and even the guy who drove me back was like, Hey, so this show is harder than you think. Right. And I'm like, it's, it's not really, it's not, it's, um, in fact, they probably hand you more than you really need on that show. Um, it's not really hard. It's just you can't expect, right, like I did. You can't expect yourself to just be able to jump back into something. This just, is just too much to ask of yourself. So you have to be, you know, a little bit kinder and gentler. And I, I should have known. Well, that's not true because when I, it's 2015. I patched it up with something. Um, I thought I could do it again. I couldn't do it again. And I guess it's just a learning lesson, right? Just know your limitations a little bit and give yourself a break. Um, also, I'd say for people who are in these situations, um, like domestic violence, I almost say like make some sort of, when you have a moment of peace to yourself, when you're living with this person, when you're whatever with this person, make some sort of plan. And I thought about this uh, not long after, have a plan as to, what you're going to do if something really goes the complete south, like complete 180 of what you ever expect, and you are in this pit of despair, um, it's almost like the military with your training, right? Before you go to war, you're training, 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 so that when you go to war, um, you can like reach back to your training knowledge and you know what to do, right? So this is the same kind of thing, I think, with, um, you know, specific to domestic violence, um, is that you should, when you have a moment of time, like a few days, like say he's gone or she's gone or whatever's gone on a trip and you have a moment of clarity or you're out doing something good for yourself or you're, whatever it is when you're healthy and, and what have you, make some sort of plan that says, I know at the moment, like it's, you know, if something does go really, really badly, like I can't, my mind isn't going to work that well, but I want to be able to remember two or three things that I need to do to take care of myself. You know, one, maybe, you know, call the police. That's the first thing. Okay, got it. And you just do it. You just do it. And then the second thing is this. And the third thing is that. And I think that I, now I know going forward, not that I expect this to ever happen in my life again, but um, I would tell people who are in this situation now, 
take the time to make a plan and then follow through on it. And one of those things is to really understand your left and right limits. Don't say, hey, you know, this, if something goes south, then I'm just going to free willy nilly, just start grabbing for whatever it is, drugs, alcohol. Like I'm not going to start just grabbing for stuff to patch the hole. I'm going to follow this plan. These one, two, three things that I can remember. Um, don't write them down if you're in a domestic violence situation, because that person's going to see that stuff and they're going to, you know, it could go badly, but just remembering your head as much as you can and then follow through on those things. And so you can kind of give yourself a little bit of breathing room. Don't like try to patch things um, through, you know, things that probably aren't healthy for you at the time. And that happens a lot after trauma and assaults and whatever, you know, whatever it is in your life that happens a lot. And so I just say, when you have a healthy moment, make a plan, stick to two or three very basic things. Don't write them down necessarily. And then when something does get to the point of being the worst, 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 and stuff goes really wrong, follow through on those things. Don't like, you know, don't run off at all these different directions of filling stuff. And then maybe six months, 12 months down the road, you can reevaluate. That's some good advice. There's a couple of things you mentioned that I want to talk, go back on and talk a little bit about. So when you talked about letting other people down, what, what I hear is um, others perception of you, uh, you felt like you weren't living up to that, what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a totally normal human condition, I think. I think we all do that to some extent. Uh, but from my own personal experience, can, keeping up appearances, I guess you'd say, uh, I found that to be very self-destructive. That if people really knew what I was going through, what I was dealing with, they wouldn't love me, they wouldn't accept me, they wouldn't appreciate me, they wouldn't want to be friends with me, or whatever the situation would be, they wouldn't accept me for who I am. And what I found to be true is quite the opposite of that that if other people really understand who you generally are, what you're generally going through, they're very loving and understanding. And if, if someone really understands what you're going through and they're not, they're really not worth your time. But I just wanted to bring that up. And then one other thing you, you talked about was uh, you're, you're putting a patch on, on this hole, right? Mm-hmm. Or putting a Band-Aid when you needed surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you needed stitches, right? And, and a Band-Aid will stop the bleeding for a moment. Right? It'll absorb, not even stop it, it'll absorb that blood. And I think a lot of times as human beings, we do that. We put Band-Aids when we need stitches or we put a Band-Aid when we need surgery or we're told to drink water when we need surgery, right? That's an army joint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> understand that. Uh, appendix ruptured. we'll drink water, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so true, so true. So they said, well, then drink water. He's like, no, my, I think my appendix rupture. Like, drink water, soldier. <laughs> yeah, just do it. <laughs> yeah. But there are times that what we really need, we really need surgery or stitches. And sometimes we kid ourselves into thinking that this, the situation we have at hand is not that serious. We need to really go through a reconstruction period of ourselves. Hey everyone, I just want to take a minute to tell you about an amazing nonprofit organization doing incredible things for others. As you may remember, I had the privilege of interviewing Kirsty Ennis in episode 18. She is an individual with some true grit and just some real metal. And she wants to give that same mentality to other people who are struggling. The Kirsty Ennis Foundation's mission statement is to inspire individuals to stubbornly climb the mountain in front of them. We aim to show the world that we control our circumstances. They do not control us. This is awesome. That's what this entire show is about. It's about finding that mountain in front of you and overcoming it. Using what you're struggling with as a catalyst to become a better version of yourself. What's really cool about this foundation as well is they have 100% volunteer-based staff. Nobody gets paid, no salary. All the money that is donated to the foundation goes to the programs that they have to take people outdoors and use outdoors and mountain climbing as a process for healing and becoming better versions of themselves. So what they do is they financially support other deserving nonprofits through a grant application cycle that they do. And when they go on these climbs in these other countries, these mountain climbs, they recycle medical devices such as wheelchairs and prosthetics for the local people who live in the countries where they're doing these climbs in the mountains. 
incredibly awesome. I encourage you to check out their website, www.kirstyennisfoundation.com. See if this is the right fit for you, if this is something you would like to donate and be a part of to change the lives of other people. And, and the fact that you were on the show during that time, you thought, you know, like you said, you thought if you put, you could put this patch on like you went to see your school and it didn't work. Right. It, it, from what it sounds like, it made things worse. Right. And, 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 and there's, it's nothing against you in the fact that you tried to do this. It's the human condition that's in us. It's a survival technique that we think, oh, if I do this, I'll feel better. It's totally normal to do what you did. Mm-hmm. That in but it's may not be the right answer. Right. Yep. And, and don't, don't beat yourself up because you're in that situation. It's not a reflection upon you that you're in a situation where things are not an ideal or where you're in a domestic abuse situation or whether you're struggling with addiction or whether uh, um, trauma in your life is affecting you. You're having those, those post-traumatic uh, stress disorder moments where you're triggered. Just get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of what the whole aim of this show is to be a resource for other people and share stories and examples from other people saying, this is what I learned. And I think you, your, your story is a great example of that. Yeah. yeah. And I think there are people right out there that we're like, goom, 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 you know, we're just going, going, going. And that's our personalities to, you know, fix things, make things right, go to the next step, go, go, go. And Sometimes that's not the best answer, just to jump into whatever it is. Um, Grind through trauma. Right. It's, it's sometimes, yeah, no. I mean, you think, like you said, short term, oh yeah, let's patch that hole for one second, then it's bleeding like a, you know, volcano exploding and stuff. And it's, um, it's not always the best answer. Sometimes it can be, but I think it's hard to always know. And if you're the kind of person that in the past has patched things and made it through and just grind through trauma, grind through the problems, grind through this, grind through that, you're going to keep thinking that you can do that and it's going to always solve everything. And then there's going to come this situation in your life you never expected. It's not going to go the way you ever thought. You're not going to react the way you would ever think. And then you're going to go to try to patch it in the same way you have for the last 20, 30, whatever number of years that you've been alive. Um, And it just necessarily doesn't work. I think you should really listen to, um, because I think most people would listen to instinct and then they would just try to patch, but try to, that's why I say you really have to think about this before a little bit because our instinct is to go to patch and solve and fix. and it's not necessarily the case. And I think like you just mentioned something about being very honest and, and covering and not being, um, I think that's a very big thing, not being honest and um, trying to hide what's really going on because that, that for example, is like my ex-boyfriend who to this day denies ever doing anything to anybody in his life. And that can cause like not as severe as that, but that can go from one extreme to like his extreme where it can cause super, you know, evil things going on and stuff Two, Hey, instead of me not facing what I've done and hurting other people, you could be hurting yourself, whatever it is like to just pretend or not face it is, um, it can definitely cause problems. Yeah. It makes the wound worse, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not only is you're putting salt in it, but you're causing it to, to become bigger. Right. Right. And so now on top of dealing with, you know, the trauma, the loss of a child and the abuse and the year and a half and my business loss and, um, you know, my command thinking less, you know, all these different things going on, thinking less of me potentially as a domestic violence victim. But now I have to deal with, hey, I didn't make it through the show and all these other things. So you actually are loading on um, some other issues. And again, like you said, I... I think it's, I don't sit up worrying at night about it anymore. I don't really think about, hey, oh no, you know, who's going to see the show and, you know, how many times am I going to have to explain that I, you know, was a boo-boo or what have you, I didn't make it through. But I know now what not to do in the future and I know now what to do in the future. Although, right, granted, like I never want (laughs) the domestic violence in my life again, but 
if there are any big issues that come along in my life, I kind of have a better understanding of, you know, just taking it easy and not trying to be the first to solve the problem and patch that hole up. Yeah. Yeah. So some people might look at your situation, your story that's going on a show and that, that you failed. What this was, it presented you with an opportunity to learn and to grow and become a better version of yourself. Would you agree with that statement? I would. Yeah. And, and I'll, I think I've decided to, um, yes. And I, I think I've decided also to like, when I go to speak to people, if I ever have a chance to, which hopefully in the next you know few months and stuff, I'll have a chance to get on stage and speak to people about a variety of things, not just domestic violence, but I probably will use that show in some capacity to say, you know, so people can understand that I've been, you know, where they are. I, I know the depths, you know, it's not just something that happens in a house. It's now on national TV, like it's okay. So I'm coming to the point where I'm, it's, um, I, it's okay, you know, for people to know, hopefully they'll look at the backstory too. But I think that I have grown immensely. Um, yeah, I think I have grown immensely. And it's, it's kind of like what um, I feel like now. I never wanted to be known. I never wanted to testify in front of Congress. I never wanted to, um, you know, have a Huffington Post article on me. I never wanted all these things in my life. Um, but now that those things have happened, because um, right, I want to be known for business. I want to be known for military. I want to be known for a bunch of other stuff. But now that they have, I've actually come to the point where I say, gosh, if the thing that I leave behind here is, you know, some sort of way is that people know they're not the only ones, um, that um, you can make it through these things, you can be stronger on the backside of it, then then I accept that. I'm like, yes, that is awesome. And I will take that um, over being known for whatever, you know, finishing Naked and Afraid or being in a special operations unit or any of that stuff. Actually, um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So. Oh, and that shows your personal growth and being able to use this event as a catalyst to become better. Right. And, and I think you could look back at this situation, <clears throat> excuse me. And you could look at it and say, uh, because of this, what I learned from it, I am better today than I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's how we measure personal growth. We don't measure personal growth by, oh, I went on Naked Afraid and I completed it. Or uh, I, I ran a marathon uh, or whatever, or whatever it is. I don't know, whatever situation. <laughs> yeah. You know, it could be anything. Yeah. Our success is not defined by our achievements. It should rather be defined by the lessons that we learn from our failure. That's what defines success. Mm -hmm. Because if we if, if we choose to identify success by accomplishment, we'll never be able to accomplish enough. Right. And it, it reminds me of a quote by Thomas Edison, and I'm going to butcher it, but this is his thought, not mine. Well, um, when he invented the light bulb, someone said, how many times did it take you to, to get this right, to, to find it? He said, I spent a thousand, I learned, uh, took me a thousand different ways. He said, so you have, you failed at a thousand times building a light bulb. He said, no, I learned a thousand ways that this doesn't work. Yes. And we learn the most from failure. Failure is truly a gift from God to, for us to learn how to become better versions of ourselves, to become, to develop things because nobody invents something the first time and has it be perfect success. And we can't expect that of ourselves either. Right. Maybe, maybe you, I mean, like my situation, I've been to getting to the point where I'm at probably seven different therapists before I found one that worked. Right. That got me to a point where uh, I could overcome my own issues. And so I could say, well, they, they failed, seven therapists failed, or I failed at seven different therapists. No, I just had to find the right fit. Right. If you tried on seven pairs of pants and none of them fit, Right. Does that mean you're a failure as a human being or these <laughs> failed? Yeah. No, we found they just took you seven tries to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Like there's no pair of pants that will ever fit you. That's not true <laughs> at all. Oh yeah. I mean, if we have to, 
we'll, we'll soap a parachute to you. You know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. 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 Hammer did it and he made it famous, right? Pants, man. Jeez. Yeah, pairs, those are the coolest things ever. Well, that and then the MC Hammer pants. I still love them. Can we bring those back? Can I, I know, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Bring the whole 80s back, right? Oh. Bring them all back. Oh, my gosh. Those were good times. Stashes. Yeah. Yeah. But the parachute pants. Oh, my God. Parachute pants are awesome. <laughs> but that's the point that I make is, is that it just takes time. Like... They say time heals all wounds. Yeah. I think if you just rely on time to heal your wounds, it just allows you to bury them. Right. Um, but it takes work mm-hmm. and time and patience, which really is just fortitude. Right. Patiently waiting with courage. Find the solution to your problem. It really and, does, yeah. And, and you've, I think you've found that. It's an ongoing process, right? So it's not even necessarily, oh, I've arrived. It's an ongoing process. It's about finding the process that works for you. Mm-hmm. Because life is a process. If life were a destination, the only destination you have is death. It's a process of continually working consistently at being a better version of yourself. And that's how we define success. Am I consistently being better than I was yesterday? Yep. Absolutely. That's how you can define success. Small baby steps, right? Like sometimes it'll happen faster than you think. And sometimes it'll happen slower, but um, it's probably, yeah, I don't want to say it's meant to happen in the time that it's supposed to. So I'm not always a believer in, you know, things happen for a reason and what have you, but I do kind of believe in the, um, you know, things happen in order to change your direction. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. It's like that. Um, it is what it is. I hate that phrase. And so I hate the phrase. Well, it happens for a reason. Like really, what reason was it that I, that I lost a child? Tell me what reason that was, but I think it happens to change your direction and you can either, um, eventually in time, accept that direction, or you can continue to fight against it. Um, and just put the patch on. And I think it's better to just kind of go with that direction. And then as you're going in that direction, see how you can reach for the stars there, you know, kind of, it's going to adjust you. Um, I'm a super big fan of sticking your neck out. I've done it, you know, all my life. I think for a while I kind of calmed it down and, um, and now I found other ways to, to put myself out there and stick my neck out there. So for example, naked and afraid wasn't the right answer for me, but there are other answers um, for people. By the way, I wanted to say too, um, I saw, and this is an old, I think it's from November last year, maybe October, and maybe you've seen it too. Um, Anderson Cooper from CNN interviewed Stephen Colbert and Stephen Colbert's, uh, I guess when he was young, right? His, father and maybe one or two brothers died in a plane crash. Um, And so Anderson Cooper uh, was interviewing him and Stephen Colbert said something about um, what of God's punishments are not gifts, something to that effect. And, you know, if I didn't know Stephen Colbert's story, I, I think I'm saying his last name correctly. If I didn't know his story, I'd be like, that dude is just spouting out some random junk. Like, what does he know about all that stuff? You know, and, and it's BS, right? It's, it's monkey business. But he, if you listen to that interview, it's, it's sadly true because nobody, right? And even Stephen Colbert says in that interview, he's not saying he was happy. He would, he's not saying he wanted that to happen. He would go back and have his dad and his brothers back in a second. But I think that it, certain situations make you more empathetic to people. They make you a better person. They make you grow as a human being. If you take it, uh, other people will keep, you know, not taking it and then they're not going to grow. But other, I believe in like the fact that, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's tough to think about, but um, it's that happening to me, all of it everything, every last bit of it, right? Even just like Stephen Colbert says, you have to look at life and you can't just pick the good stuff. You have to be okay with all of it in some way. You have to say, I'll take all of it um, because it helps you to grow. And 
I think that that's the case now. Like you couldn't stop me now. You, there's like this little fire burning inside of me. That's like, you know, for burning in you, Leah. There's oh yeah. Yeah. With you. And, and yeah. I think that's because you've chosen to not be a victim. I mean, you were a victim, but to stay a victim, mm-hmm. you said like, no, you know what? This is not going to define me. Right. I'm going to be better than this. Right. Uh, and I'm going to help other people get out of this hell. And like I said, I think I said this in the last episode that um, every one of us will go through our own personal hell. Mm-hmm. You have been through yours. You found your way out. Um, and the way out, we all find that hell. And the way out is very similar for all of us. It's based on consistency, fortitude, and grit. And there are different aspects of that all that it will look differently for all of us, but those are the three things I think that are the key to becoming a better version of yourself. And you found it. And, and like I say, I mean that, like I truly mean it. Like there's a forest fire burning inside of you. It's not a little fire. That I think that little fire was always burning, but now it's a raging inferno that nobody can control except for you. And you get to determine the direction of where that goes. Right. That's one thing that, so when I do eventually go to talk to people, I mean, some of the story, right, is important as the background, but it's not, it's not the majority of the story. The majority is how can you take that and turn it and shift it and t- take your energy, right? Your, I was depressed for six months to a year, right? Laying in bed and doing all those things. How can you turn your energy, whatever way it is, shift it, turn it into something positive, bigger, and maybe it's still working on the, in, within that particular topic or subject that brought you, you know, down. Um, maybe it's part, that's part of it, but then what can you do beyond that? And that's what I really want to talk to people about, you know, is like, Hey, everybody has, like you said, these different, you know, things going on in their lives. And then what can you do to become better and build yourself and have a raging fire burning in you, you know, and, and people have said to me, Hey, Leah, there's nothing that can really, what can somebody do to you now? Right. Okay. I got it. Things could be worse, but in reality, it's true. You couldn't stop my, my heart, my love, my passion, my, yeah, all the good stuff that's yet to come in life. You just couldn't stop it. So, uh, yeah. And that's just is one of the things I love about you so much is um, your commitment to helping other people because this is not an easy subject to talk about. Uh, your story is not some small thing that happened. Your story uh, brings me pain to think that you had to go through that. And I've been through pain myself. And like I said, we've all been through pain and I can look back at the time when I was hurting the most, when I didn't know who I was, when I didn't think that I was capable of being who I am today, Mm -hmm. that I'd ever have a a platform where I could share my story and other people's story and tell them like, you're better than this. You're better than whatever you're dealing with right now. You're better than whatever you're choosing to let define you. What you are is is a child of God. You have a God who created you, who put you on an earth to live and to grow and become better and become stronger. You've been put on this earth for a purpose. And when you find that purpose, life will make so much more sense. Every, you can look back at your past and say, Oh, Okay, that sucks that I went through that. I, I don't ever want to go through that again. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that never happens. But to be able to use that pain, that suffering, and that sadness, and that sorrow, and that loneliness, that hopelessness, to be able to turn that into a tool to help other people find their way out of hell. And, and, and that's what you're doing. And I find it very admirable and we need more people like you. We all need to share our experiences and our story in the right time and place. And I'm so grateful for your willingness to come on here and share to share your pain because pain is real. And I think that's 
Unfortunately, it's necessary at times for growth. But it takes a special person to be able to share their pain. It takes a special person willing to be open and talk about things that they're ashamed of at one point in time. And to say, I'm better than this. Uh, You're better than this. Let's do this together. So I'm incredibly grateful for your willingness to come on here and open up and, and just be the generally good person that you are. Because sometimes it's hard to be a good person. It is, yeah. That's all I've got though, right? So if I if I pass away and people can say, hey, she was a good person and she loved people with all her heart for all the, you know, bumps along the way, that's, I will be happy with that. I'll be really happy with that. That's success. That's success. That's totally success, yes. More than success, it's excellence. Excellent people leave this world better then they came into it. And I think that's what you're doing. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for sharing your message. You're incredible. You're awesome. (laughs) You're awesome. (laughs) And so is your, your daughter too. She is. She is incredible. Yes. She, she's the reason why I do what I do. She is the world, my world. She, it was for her that I decided to get hope. and take accountability and to get on the path that's led me to this conversation we're having right now. And I'm incredibly grateful to her. She's sitting on the floor here next to me, listening to this conversation. If you can't see this, Um, but if it weren't for her, I, I, I wouldn't have done the work. And it, what happened was when I realized I can't do it for her, I have to do it for me. I have to be the best version of Preston. So she has the best dad possible. And I still fail at times. There's times that I'm not the best dad. I'm not being the best dad that I can be, but I'm committed to being better tomorrow than I was today. Yeah. And girls need their dads. That's for sure. Good dads. hundred percent. That's the most important thing. That's the most important thing I can do as, as, as a man is be there for my children. Yes. And give them the father that they need. Yes. Set a good example. So when she gets older and gets in a relationship, she's like, that's the kind of man. She's going to marry the standard that I set. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And there's way more than I ever asked for. (laughs) And it's the most beautiful thing ever, right? The, there's nothing greater in this life than being a father uh, for me. Um, yeah. I'm truly blessed with the family that I have. Yes. And what did I say? Girls rule and boys rule. <laughs> so like, how many girls do you have and how many boys? So I have two girls and one boy. Oh, two girls and one boy. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> this has been great, Leah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Preston. Thank you to your daughter as well. I'm glad she was around, but thank you so much. All right. Thanks for everything you do. Oh, well, thank you for sharing. Hey guys, be sure to follow the Metal Mentality podcast on social media. And as always, if you find value in the show, please leave a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. But more importantly, share this podcast with someone you know who would benefit from the messages from the guests on each episode. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Metal Mentality.